Thank you for listening to this production from New Life Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to find out more, visit newlifepca.org. Would you pray with me tonight? Father, would you allow our souls to feel the weight of the things that we are talking about here tonight? Help us to see with new eyes the glory you reveal to us in the death of your Son. In his name, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Oh my God. What's the first thing you think of when you hear those three words put together? Oh my God. Do you think of someone calling out in desperation? Or do you think of someone being in utter shock or amazement? Uh, maybe you hear the, the snarky voice of a teenager, or, or you see the words OMG popping up on your phone. Or perhaps you hear even a man pleading with his God. Those three little words, oh my God, have become something of a unifying phrase in our age. Everyone seems to say it. It doesn't matter your race, your gender, your age, your socioeconomic status. It doesn't even matter what you believe, your religion. People who love God say it. People who hate God say it. Even those who don't believe in God at all say it. And yet so often... We use those three words as just a passing phrase. We can say, oh my God, without even a thought. And we have used this phrase in vain for so long that it is in danger of losing its meaning altogether. But if we paused, if we stopped and considered what those three words actually mean, then everything would change. You may not realize it, but when you say the words, oh my God, or when you hear them at work, or when you see them on your computer screen, whenever that happens, you are not far from holy ground. These words, oh my God, are at the heart and soul of the good news of Christianity. This phrase proclaims that God can be my God. I can have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. I can know God. This is actually one of the most fundamental and frequent promises found in the Bible. Over and over again, God promises Israel that he will be their God and that they will be his people. And so this might surprise you, but maybe it shouldn't, in light of what I just said. But the phrase, oh my God, is found over 20 times in the Old Testament. With perhaps the most famous being in Psalm 22, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with. Psalm 22 starts out this way. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, 
from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. David, the author of this psalm, he repeats the words, my God, my God, for emphasis. This is really just a stronger way of saying, oh my God. And David says this to express the great anguish he feels in his soul. David feels forsaken or abandoned by God. And God doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. And so David is calling out to the Lord, but for some reason, God has chosen not to answer him. And David now is asking, why? Why won't you, why won't you answer me, Lord? And so when David cries out here, oh my God, it's almost as if he's pleading with God to remember his promise. Remember, Lord, that I am yours. How curious then that nearly 500 years later, these are the same words that Jesus of Nazareth would utter as he hung on the cross. In Matthew 27, 46, as he is about to die, it says, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At the darkest point in Jesus' life, a time of unbearable physical suffering and unimaginable spiritual turmoil, Psalm 22 is what comes out of his mouth. But why? What would, what would compel Jesus to say, oh my God, why have you forsaken me at a time like this? It's certainly not that Jesus doesn't know the answer to this question. Jesus is not confused here. He's not hoping for a response from God. Jesus knew why he was being forsaken. He knew that he was the atoning sacrifice for sin. He knew he was the Lamb of God who was going to be given up for the sins of the world. He knew what he was about to face the night before as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knew why he had to be abandoned, forsaken by God. So why these words? Why Psalm 22? I think there are two good reasons that I want to briefly discuss why I believe Jesus chose these words as some of his last. The first reason is to point to the rest of Psalm 22 to show how he fulfilled prophecy. When Jesus said, oh my God, why have you forsaken me? He's not pleading with God to remember his promises. Jesus is fulfilling God's promises. You see, God's people had been waiting for a Messiah, a Savior, one whom God had promised long ago, one who was, who was sent to set his, God's people free and to restore their place in the world. And so for many Jews of that day, they expected this Messiah to be a great warrior, one who would come and overthrow the oppression of foreign nations. And so when Jesus now is hanging on the cross as he's crucified, it appeared to many that his claims to be this Messiah 
were false. But what many misunderstood at that time was that the Messiah must first suffer to free God's people. Not from foreign oppressors, but from their bondage to sin and death. The cross did not show that Jesus was not the Messiah. In fact, it showed the exact opposite. The cross proved that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Savior that God had promised long ago. And as we've heard tonight, this can be seen in many different scriptures, and that includes Psalm 22. You see, the first words of Psalm 22 would have been very well known at that time. Most Jews would have immediately recognized the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And they would have immediately thought of the beginning of Psalm 22. This is very similar to if I today were to say, the Lord is my shepherd. You would immediately know what I'm referring to. You would have no question what, where I'm getting that from. Many of you would probably be able to continue that line until the end of the psalm. So when Jesus quotes these words, it would have directed his hearers to go and to consider what the rest of Psalm 22 had to say. So now for a second, I want you to just imagine something. I want you to imagine that you were actually there when Jesus died. Imagine you saw all that took place. You saw how Jesus was mocked. You could see it from afar. You saw how Jesus was spit on, how he was despised by those who passed him by. You saw how the priests said to him, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. He trusts in God. Well, then let God deliver him now if he desires him. You saw how Jesus' hands and feet were pierced. You saw how the Roman soldiers cast lots to divide his clothing. And you saw the darkness cover the land and felt the earth shake. Imagine you had saw all that on that day. And then you went and read Psalm 22. Listen to these words that you would have read. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned my mankind and despised by the people. All who seek me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a raving and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. 
My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and glow over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall, shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nation. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. This is the word of the Lord. Now imagine, imagine the effect that would have had on you if you had seen all that had taken place that day. When you read this, you would have known immediately that Jesus' death, down to the smallest of details, it was not some chance happening. It was not some misfortunate turn of events. His death on the cross was the fulfillment of Scripture. All of this happened according to God's preordained and perfect plan. So the first reason Jesus cried out, oh my God, why have you forsaken me, was to point people to this fulfillment, to show them that he was the Messiah that they needed. But you know, there's one more reason that I believe Jesus used the words of Psalm 22, and that is because they expressed what Jesus was actually experiencing. Jesus did not merely feel forsaken. This is not just an emotional response for our Savior. You and I, we may go through trials in our lives that cause us to wonder whether God has been faithful. We may have times of great discouragement and doubt where we would even cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We may feel this way as believers, as Christians, even if it's not true but that's not what's happening to jesus jesus felt forsaken because he was forsaken 
At the cross, Jesus took the punishment for sin that we deserved. We have all rebelled against God. We have turned from his ways. We have chosen the creation over the creator. And the penalty we all deserve is death and separation from God. We are the ones who deserve to be forsaken by God. And yet the good news of Christianity, the good news of the gospel, is that there is a substitute. One who stands in our place. One who has been pierced for our transgressions. One who has been crushed for our iniquities. Jesus cried out, Oh my God, why have you forsaken me? So that you and I could cry out in reverent worship, Oh my God, why have you accepted me? Because of Good Friday, God can now be my God. He can be your God. Because of Jesus, I am his and he is mine. So the next time you hear the words, oh my God, let them take you to the cross. Let these words lead you to Calvary. Let them remind you of your Savior's cry. And let them fill you with the hope of the gospel. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we are so unworthy of you, and yet we're so thankful that you were forsaken on our behalf. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.